Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? Merry Christmas to everyone. Sunday before Christmas. It's going to be awesome. Uh, by the way, did you know that Christmas is now just three days away? Three days. Three days, everybody. Like, like great things in the Bible happen in three days. Christmas is in three days, okay? The greatness of Christmas is about to happen. We are like on the eaves, eaves, eaves of Christmas. Three days away. Can you, can you feel it? Can you feel it in your house, right? I mean, come on, am I the only one? I mean, stuff starts to happen around your house, People start wrapping things and, and lighting things up and baking things, and it just smells different. I don't know. It's in the air. It's like, uh, it, it's Christmas. Uh, three days, and we will be staring in the face of maybe one of the greatest days all year long. It's Christmas. And we're here to anticipate Christmas. I mean, we're excited about Christmas coming, about it being here. It's Christmas. And maybe one of the greatest things is that as we go through the stores, as we're uh, in our cars listening to the radio, there's Christmas carols. And it doesn't seem to matter whether the, the radio station is of a, uh, of a Christian origin or a secular origin. It seems to be uh, that everybody is okay around Christmas hearing about Jesus uh, because there's something about these carols that just help us to anticipate Jesus. That help us to anticipate that it's Christmas. One of those particular carols, Angels We Have Heard on High. Right? Do you, do you, do you know the words? This great Christmas carol? I have to cheat with some of the words, okay? Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. And the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. And then everybody breaks out, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Okay? Yeah, yeah, you guys are awesome. You know that, Carol. It's really great. Uh, glory in excelsis Deo, by the, by the way, means glory to God in the highest. Now, now, this is the one that got me. As we wait in anticipation, three days, did I mention three days? Three days until Christmas, as we anticipate Christmas, I think of the characters in the Christmas story that knew their job and did it well. I think of those who, who took on the testimony of Jesus and told everyone they could see about the great news of what they had just seen and heard. That there's characters in the Christmas story as they anticipated Jesus, as they saw Jesus coming, uh, they accepted a role, they accepted a responsibility of testimony and of witness. And the song goes on, here it is, shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? 
Let the gladstone tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. Gloria in excelsis Deo. It was the question, shepherds, why your joyous song? Why your joyous message? Why your joyous testimony? Why are you singing so loudly? And the answer in the song comes from the shepherds. Come to Bethlehem and see Him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee. Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. Why is it that these shepherds, these lowly people, have decided to come and share this glorious message? It's because they've anticipated Jesus. It's because they have accepted this responsibility. They've taken upon themselves the role that the angels had given them to go and share the message. Come, come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. And the, and, 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 and the role that they have, the responsibility that they have, the witness that they have, the testimony that they have is the same one that you and I have. And this morning as we live in anticipation of Christmas, uh, we don't leave uh, the testimony, we don't leave the role, we don't leave the responsibility to witness of the newborn king to some shepherds a long time ago and far, far away. No, we, we accept that responsibility on ourselves today to say to all those who could hear, come, Come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. You see, if we want to anticipate Christmas this morning, when we anticipate Christmas this morning, it means that we have a role to play. It means, Christians, that we have a responsibility. It means that we have a testimony worth sharing. You see, in this book that some of us have ignored for a long, long time, it's way in the back of our Bible, there's a preacher, and his name is John. And as he opens up his book, and and as he receives this special vision from God, he receives this special message. He says, uh, it says that, uh, that John has told, hey, I want you to open up this book, and he's opening up this scroll. Uh, it's the Bible. That's what we're supposed to see there. And, and the vision is that he receives it, and the angel says, hey, I want you to eat it. I want you to ingest it. I want you to assimilate the Word into your life. I want it to, to come out of you, and, and, and it's it's going to be sweet for a while, but when it sits there a while, when it sits there, there's going to be some bitterness to it uh, because you're going to know uh, the great message of God. You're going to recognize what it means. Uh, you're going to have ingested it into your life, but the, uh, but the fact of the matter is some of the people that you're going to give testimony to, some of the people uh, that you want to tell this great message to aren't going to be listening. You're going to know rejection and there's going to be a bitterness and John is told, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go and I want you to proclaim this. I want you to do this again. Go, go. And then what John tells us is that the church, the church has to give testimony that the role of the church 
the role of the community of God's people, the role and the responsibility, the job, the duty of those who follow Jesus is to give testimony about Him, about who He is and all that He has done. So this morning, if you are interested at all about this little job, well, actually this big job that you and I get to fulfill this morning, if you want to pay witness, just like the shepherds, come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. If you want that sort of job and responsibility as a Christ follower, then would you open up your Bibles with me? Would you go to Revelation chapter 11? Revelation chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Reach out and grab one. If you don't have one at home, uh, that's okay. Merry Christmas. You just got a new Bible, okay? Uh, Grab that one. Take it home. Write in it. Um, let, Let God's Word pour over your life. But Revelation, it's all the way in the back of the Bible. If you go to the index where all those names are, you've gone too far. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11. You see, as we anticipate Christmas, uh, God gives the church the responsibility of witnessing. As we anticipate, as we get excited about Christ the Lord, the newborn King, as we sing that, we recognize that our role, our responsibility is that of giving testimony about Jesus. So read with me, would you? Uh, Beginning in verse 3 in chapter 11. And he says, and I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for about 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And there are two olive trees and the two lampstands and they stand before the Lord of the earth. Now all of that sounds really crazy and kind of far out there. And some of you are going, now this is why I don't read Revelation. But let me tell you what's going on here. There's lots of symbols in Revelation And sometimes they have really simple meanings. Uh, The two lampstands, the the two witnesses, the two trees that are here, uh, these are symbols that John is stacking next to one another as if to say, hey, hey, everybody in the church, I want you to know this is who you are. The lampstands, he's already told us that this is the church. No, these trees are, are about the church. It's about the kingdom and priests that, that, that God is giving. Uh, you are the kingdom and you are the priests. So, hey, uh, go, uh, share this message. This is about God's community uh, who, who is responsible for uh, taking a testimony, taking God's word to the world. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, yeah, it says a whole lot about these two witnesses following that. Well, who are these two witnesses? Well, in totality, gang, it's the church. It's the community of God's people. Now, perhaps in in the old days, uh, when John was writing this, perhaps there were two literal people. Maybe it was Peter and Paul who were going out and they were spreading God's word. But in all of this, The responsibility is on the church. 
to go out and share God's word. Did you notice what they were wearing, by the way? Notice what they were wearing. It has something to do with the kind of message that they're coming to bring. And I'm going to appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. Sackcloth, it's kind of like an old potato sack. It's itchy and kind of rough. And the idea was that, that if you were going to repent before God, if you recognize that God was in His judgment going to come at some point uh, in order to show God, in order to demonstrate your repentance before God, uh, what you would do is, uh, is that you would wrap this around your waist and, and you would kind of sit in a kneeled position to say, hey, okay, God, I get it. If you read some of the Old Testament, you recognize that now when Jonah went to Nineveh and he, and he gave God's word and he gave God's testimony, his witness uh, to the people of Nineveh, uh, they all repented. And in fact, the leader of the Ninevites, what did he do? He decided that in order to demonstrate his own repentance, that he would dress in sackcloth and he would sit in ashes as if to tell God, hey, I get it. I've accepted the testimony of the one that you've sent. So how is it that you and I are going to give witness well, there's a whole number of ways in all of really the book of Revelation that, uh, that we begin to see how it is that we witness and we give testimony to who God is and all that God is doing. One of the ways is just simply by the way that we live. You see, how you live actually does matter. Your character, gang, matters. If we go back just a couple of chapters, actually in chapter 2, Uh, There's a guy by the name of Antipas, and he's in the church at Pergamum, and it says of this guy, he says he was faithful, and it says in verse 13, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. He's really uh, talking about uh, the Roman government. He says, yet you remain true to my name. You didn't renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city. He said, even though this guy had to die, he was faithful in how he lived and how he carried himself. He was a witness to everybody else around him. God's word says that, uh, that we ought to live such good lives in the world among the pagans, those who don't know God, that they would stand up and recognize and give glory to God because of how we live. One of the ways that you can anticipate Jesus this Christmas is just be remarkable in how you go about living. That the choices that you make all the way from here to your home, to your work, in the car, with your children, with your co-workers. All of that is is a matter of your witness and your testimony to who God is. You see, you have a role and a responsibility as you anticipate Christmas to give the testimony of Jesus. Come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. But it's just not about how you live, it's also how you speak. If you look at what John says right before uh, chapter 11, in chapter 10, at the very end, he says in, in verse 11 of chapter 10, then I, was told, then I was told you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. 
He says, John, I know, see, John is the oldest living apostle. Did you know that? The guy that writes this book is an old man when he writes it. He's an old guy. He's the longest living. All of his other friends, all the other people that happen to be around Jesus, they've all died. Most of them because they've been killed for testifying about Jesus. And here is John, and he's, he's probably thinking, God, I'm in the golden years of my life. Uh, can't I just go, can't I just, uh, you know, uh, sip on something nice next to the Mediterranean Sea? Can't I just uh, go and enjoy the beach for a little while? And yet he's given this special, special message from the Lord. Hey, I want you to go and I want you to witness. I want you to prophesy again. I want you to continue to give the message that you've always give, given. Gived. Oh my goodness. You can go give to the message of Jesus this, this year too. So you can live your witness with your life and with your words. And it doesn't matter whether you're old or whether you're young. You see, there are no witness emeritus. It's not like, uh, uh, folks, uh, those of you who are older, and I'll let you define who is older, you don't ever get to the point in your life with Jesus where you, where you retire or you become an emeritus from your testimony of who Jesus is and all that He has done. You never get to that point. You don't get to retire from being a testifier and a witness to Jesus ever. And those of you who are young, uh, you're never so young that you can't testify about who Jesus is and all that He has done. Uh, Paul's going to say directly to you, he said, hey, don't, look, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. Hey, you have a role to play. When you're in your school, when you're on your teams, you have a role to play and a responsibility to Jesus to continue to testify about Him. And some of you are thinking, well, what is it that is my message? What is it that I say about God, about who He is and all that He has done? Well, you say exactly what Revelation says all throughout from the very first to the very last, and that is that Jesus is the conquering King. Check this out. Look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. Some of you know Handel's Messiah. Yes? This great song. He stole it from Revelation. In verse 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, His Savior, and He will reign forever and ever. Yeah? And you can hear it rolling through your mind right now. And He shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Right? You see, what you have an opportunity to give witness to is the fact that Jesus Christ is the conquering King. He's the Messiah. He is the Savior. Uh, no, nothing else in all of this world can possibly touch the conquering King. Not a government, not a social status, not a payday. Right? No great company, no corporation, no big church, nobody else other than Jesus is the Savior. 
And so when you anticipate Christmas and you anticipate your role and your opportunity to testify about Jesus, you come with this one message. He's the conquering Savior of the whole world. He's the one who was born so that he might defeat the grave so that all people in the world might know and live and respond and be a part of his kingdom. Church, this is you. This is you. You now take the role of the shepherd You now take the role of the shepherd who sings joyously in all the plains, asking for the response so that you can say, come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. He is the Almighty. Now can I tell you that if you're willing to do this, if you're willing to venture out and you're willing to give the testimony of Jesus and say, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm going I'm to sign my name up. I'll testify about who Jesus is. I'll give witness about who Jesus is. Then I want to be honest with you and I want, the, want you to hear from the Bible. I want you to hear from God's Word that, that sometimes the rejection that comes with giving a witness is hard and harsh. Look with me at verse 7. Now when they had finished their testimony, the beast, John's audience would have seen the beast as Rome that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is called figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from every tribe, tongue, Language and people will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. And the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. Well, that's a happy Christmas message, isn't it? When you're willing to witness and when you're willing to say to other people, You need to repent. I want you to know that you're not in charge of your world, but Jesus is. I want you to understand that this thing that's going on in your life right now, uh, you desperately need to change lanes. You need to recognize who Jesus is in your life. Otherwise, things are not going to go well. When you ask people to repent, you better be prepared to face rejection. The other day I was in a class, I was asking my students, we were talking about the hardest thing in all of the Bible. And you know the hardest thing about the Bible is not studying the Bible. It's not understanding the words in the Bible. It's not even coming to difficult passages in Revelation like this one. That's not the hardest part. You know what the hardest part about the Bible is? The hardest part about the Bible is when I understand it, i got to do something about it. The hardest part about the Bible is application. And when you're asking someone else in their life to repent, to see Jesus in a different way, the hardest thing is application. 
They can look and they can see and they can say, yeah, that's the Bible and I see it and I hear it and I know that, that what you're saying is true. But the hardest thing is application. It's change. How many of you just love changing yourself? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I get it. You look in the mirror and think, ah, I'm doing really good. I had a really great day. You see, all of us, all of us have this human nature that says, no, I I can decide for myself. But gang, you cannot hold in one hand the kingdom of God, that He is the conquering Savior, that He rules and reigns over all, and in the other hand say, no, I reign over me. If you are going to share God's message... And you're going to ask folks to repent. There's oftentimes going to be rejection. And it might be painful for a while. Now before you run out the door and say, I don't want any part of this, I want you to catch something that God says. I want you to hear from the Lord the sort of protection that He offers and the life that He's willing to give those who are willing to testify, just like the shepherds, come to Bethlehem and see Look at verse 1, would you? I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with, uh, and the altar, excuse me, with all of its worshipers. You see, this idea of a measuring rod is about the idea of fencing something off. About setting up boundaries. You know what God's doing here? He's saying, you know what I'm going to do for all of you who are willing to testify, who are willing to give witness, who are willing to to share your life and God's Word with other people. You know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to, I'm going to set up a spiritual fence. Your life is hidden with me in heaven. And so whatever happens to you on earth, uh, even if you were to be killed, come hell or high water, nobody is going to be able to touch you because I have your back. That's what God is saying. And in this story that John is telling, he says, yeah, these two witnesses, they go out and they're rejected. They're rejected so much that that people decide to kill them. But I want you to see what God does. He brings them back to life. Look Look at verse 11. After the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. God breathes life back into them. He resurrects them. You see, there is no stopping God's testimony. There is no stopping those who would like to to share God's witness. There is no stopping those who are willing to sing, come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. There's no stopping it. God breathes life like Ezekiel 37 in the valley of dead dry bones. He breathes life right back into them. And here they come back to life. Uh, Now notice what happens. Notice the result of the witness that they gave. Look at uh, the end of verse 13. At that very hour, excuse me, verse 12, then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud where their enemies looked on. At that very hour, there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed and 7,000 people were killed. The survivors were terrified. And I want you to notice what happens. And they gave glory to the God of, of the heavens. 
They gave glory to God. Now what's interesting here is that in other places in the Bible, it's only a tenth that are saved. There was a a small little remnant. Uh, It happens in Isaiah. It happens in Amos. It happens in the Kings. There's a tenth that are actually saved. but But in here, John reverses it. It's only a tenth that are killed. What does that all mean? It means that God is going to be kind. Judgment hasn't come yet. And there's a whole bunch of people out there, nine-tenths of the people, they're still out there. And they're being given an opportunity to respond to the witnesses. Gang, can I tell you what your job is? Your job is to be honest and faithful testifiers. You are supposed to be the witnesses. Your job is not the result. Your job is not how many people will come to Jesus because of you. That's not your job. That's God's job. Your job is to say, come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. That's your job. Your job is to say, He will reign forever and ever. That's your job. Because you never know. That, that kid down the block that's kind of annoying to you right now, that kid down the block that you testified about Jesus and you told him daily that God loves him and that God appreciates him and that God's going to do great things in him or her, uh, those kids that are down your block and you have testified about Jesus to constantly, uh, you never know when that coworker whom you have just worked on and you have said, hey, do you recognize how much God loves you? Do you recognize that, that Jesus was willing to, to, to live so that he might die and died so that you might live? When you are willing to say, hey, I want to share with you the grace of God and what he's doing in your life, can I show you the places in your world where where God wants to speak in, would you allow me that? You never know, church, when something catastrophic happens in their life and they come face to face with eternity and with God, how they might respond. In all of Revelation, in all this glorious story, The only time that the earth dwellers, the pagans in Revelation are found to repent and give glory to God is right here. And it's John saying, if you want to anticipate Christmas, if you want to anticipate Jesus, then you take your job as one who testifies about Jesus seriously. Because you never know what might happen when you anticipate Christmas. Come to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Pray with me, would you? Gracious God, you are good. You are so good. And we, we pronounce loudly. We want to give you praise. We sing hallelujah to you. Uh, we recognize that you are the King and that we are not. That you conquer over all. And we cannot. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and give us uh, maybe just a, a special bit of your courage and help us to be bold.
Gracious God, as we leave this place, would we be willing to anticipate Christmas by telling other people about you? About sharing who you are and all that you have done. Let our lives say that and let our words say that. And Lord, in this season of Christmas, may we be willing to step out and be witnesses for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we got Christmas Eve coming up. I can't, I can't think of a better time. I can't think of a better time to talk to your neighbors and your coworkers, your friends, your colleagues, your enemies. I don't, I don't care. To be willing to say, come, come, come to Bethlehem and see, see Christ the Lord, the King.